0: Hi there, today we're going to be going through angina pectoris. This is the beginning of now going through the cardiovascular section of the blueprint for family medicine EOR. We're going to be going through stable, unstable, and Prinzmetal metal angina. To start off, we'll go through stable. So what this is, is chest pain or discomfort, heaviness, pressure, squeezing, tightness that is increased with exertion or emotion. The symptoms of this is gonna be, of course, chest pain, discomfort, and maybe just some kind of substernal pressure. It's gonna be increased with exertion or emotion, as I already said. It will last about 10 to 15 minutes, and it's relieved by rest or nitroglycerin. A sign, and this has come up with me before for exams, a sign that might be asked is Levine sign. So what this is is that classic look that you might see on a TV show or a movie uh, of having a clenched fist over the sternum, and then teeth are clenched and you're describing this chest pain. So it just in my notes, I have this image of a, of a guy who's just right holding his hand over his chest saying, oh gosh, I'm, I'm having this pain. That's called Levine sign, and that's really classic for angina. Looking at the diagnosis of this, uh, the workup's going to include an EKG, cardiac stress test, and maybe even a coronary angiography. That's what's going to provide the definitive diagnosis. When looking at the EKG, when it's stable angina, you're going to expect it to be normal. And you might see something called a Q wave, and that's indicating a prior MI. It's not saying there's something active going on, but it's a prior MI. And just knowing what the different waves are in an EKG being the P, Q, R, S, and T, What the Q-wave is is just a more exaggerated Q-wave with that downslope going on or that downward deflection. And then the cardiac stress test, what you'd see on this is this reversible wall motion abnormalities or ST depression greater than or equal to one millimeter. I wouldn't really keep a whole lot of that stress testing in mind in terms of what you might see. But just knowing that if they're having chest pain, absolutely do an EKG. And if they're going to ask something about what a definitive diagnosis is going to use or or what you'd use to find a definitive diagnosis, it's almost always going to be coronary angiography. This just helps you visualize the vessels and know exactly what's going on. Looking into treatment, like I said before, rest or nitroglycerin. So if somebody's spending the time, of course, coming all the way into the ER urgent care or however they might be presenting to you, nitroglycerin sublingual. That's going to be the first thing that you give to them. If it's not relieved or that pain isn't relieved, you might go into IV nitroglycerin if, of course, the sublingual is ineffective. You might put this patient on a beta blocker and then if it's really severe like they're having this chest pain and it won't go away and they're still seeing a normal EKG you might actually have to refer off and do an angioplasty or a bypass. Looking at prognosis it really depends on the left ventricular ejection fraction. Less than 50 percent of an LVEF left ventricular ejection fraction that's going to be increased mortality. And then one other little thing that I had noticed when looking at which arteries are effective I had noticed, it was asked to me at one point, what, what artery is gonna be affecting, you know, the majority of the heart, covering the majority of the heart. Uh, and that's gonna be the left main coronary artery. When you're looking at that, the right coronary artery has branches off of it, of course, but the left main coronary artery, this has the circumflex and the left anterior descending the maker coronary artery. And if something like that comes up asking, you know, which coronary artery will affect, you know, two thirds of the heart, the majority of the heart, it's gonna be the left main. Now we can go into unstable angina. It's going to have the same description being chest pain or discomfort, heaviness, pressure, squeezing, tightness that is increased with exertion or emotion. The main thing to keep in mind here is that angina or the pain is not relieved at rest. So what you might notice is a patient who was having chest pain that was relieved at rest. So this previously stable and predictable symptoms, they're now becoming more frequent and they're kind of increasing and of course more present at rest. The O2 demand wouldn't have changed. There's no increase in what the patient was necessarily doing. The main thing I'm getting at here is that angina still happening at rest where rest could relieve stable angina or of course nitroglycerin. Looking at EKG, this is where you start to really notice the changes on, on paper. So an ST segment or T1 wave abnormalities this could be a few different things it could be like well you could see it being normal actually but you could also see inverted t waves or some kind of st depression the main way you're going to differentiate between unstable angina and an n-stemi so non-st elevated myocardial infarction is going to be cardiac enzymes so looking at troponin and creatine kinase ck they're going to be normal So that's, I'd say that's the really big thing. So in terms of description, they're having this chest pain that's not relieved by rest. In terms of what you'd see on paper with testing, the cardiac enzymes, they're going to be normal. There is a scoring tool that I had seen before uh, called TIMI thrombolysis and myocardial infarction. It's kind of this guide uh, to the decision on conservative versus aggressive treatment for unstable angina. It has not come up for me yet. It's not something I focused on too much. And like I had said in the uh, cardiovascular introduction uh, episode, I've taken uh, one family medicine rotation so far. That of course doesn't mean I've been through all the questions that are possible. But this isn't something that's come up. But just to cover it really quickly, what this score is, the TIMI Timmy score, it's looking through uh, seven different points, and uh, it's just kind of asking some questions to see uh, what the risk is and and, uh, if you need to be more conservative or more aggressive when handling unstable angina. Looking at the treatment, these patients are going to be admitted, and they're going to be admitted for continuous cardiac monitoring. You're going to want to establish IV access as well as O2. I've noticed that when looking at O2, um, sometimes I see that no matter what, a patient's gonna get hooked up to oxygen. Other times it's, you know, unless they're below this percentage, they're gonna get hooked up to oxygen. Uh, The main thing I keep in mind, you're probably gonna be hooking them up to oxygen, just for exam purposes. For pain control, you might use nitroglycerin and morphine. Uh, you're going to want to get some kind of antiplatelet therapy going this could be aspirin and or clopidogrel which is plavix i have that you're going to want to do low molecular weight heparin continued for at least two days and that might be inoxaparin or deltaparin you're going to want to get a beta blocker on board make sure that electrolytes are replaced if there's any abnormalities there if the patient is responding well to medical therapy then you would want to do a stress test to determine if there is actually a need for some kind of catheterization or revascularization If the symptoms persist despite the medical therapy, revascularization like a PCI is going to be probably the next step going on there. You're going to want to, of course, reduce risk factors like stopping smoking, weight loss, and treating any potentially untreated diabetes or hypertension. And another big thing is going to be getting an ACE inhibitor and a statin on board. I I would say that's just really important to keep in mind. Often we're recovering all these immediate life-threatening things, but we need to also be keeping in mind that it's going to be really really beneficial to uh, get these patients on these more long-term medications that's really going to be uh, benefiting them outside of just the immediate uh, situation. Okay and lastly we can go through prinzmetal or uh, vasospastic or variant angina is all what I've heard it called before. Um, So what this is is coronary artery vasospasms causing transient ST segment elevations that are not associated with a clot. So it's something where if you were to just have somebody come in, you put them on EKG, you might see these ST segment elevations all over the place. And you're like, what the heck's going on? It's not in this situation, right? It's not associated with a clot. It's just these coronary artery vasospasms that can cause this appearance. Like that's what's going on. What you might hear this being referred to as is transient ST segment elevation myocardial infarction. So what this is, is something like what's going on in this variant vasospastic or prinzmetal angina. So a patient presenting initially with these ST segment elevations on an EKG, but then they show normalization of those ST segment elevations and relief of symptoms before any kind of reperfusion therapy actually occurs. I will say it is not related to workload. That has come up for me before. So does this kind of angina have a correlation with the amount of workload? No, it does not. They're just these smooth muscle contractions or spasms that are causing uh, this obstruction. It can lead to an MI or arrhythmias or even sudden death, but it's not related to workload. It's just that there's a spasm going on in that coronary artery. There are some known triggers like hyperventilation, cocaine, tobacco use, provocative agents like acetylcholine or ergonovine, histamine or serotonin. That will come up with the acetylcholine and the ergonovine in just a little bit. Looking at clinical manifestations, so non-exertional chest pain, that's similar to unstable angina. Uh, There's still this ability to continue exercise capacity, so preservation of exercise capacity is what that's referred to as. In a history, you might be looking for smoking as that's the number one risk factor. And then the pain is cyclical, so it's most commonly occurring in the mornings. No correlation to cardiac workload, like I said before. Looking at a workup, there's chest pain, so of course you're gonna do an EKG. This may show inverted U waves. ST segment elevations or ST wave abnormalities. You're gonna wanna look at cardiac enzymes. This will be normal, so a normal troponin and a normal CK. It's also important to check magnesium levels, You know, get a CBC, CMP, lipid panel, just to to make sure other things aren't going on that, that you might be concerned about, like, of course, electrolyte abnormalities. And then that acetylcholine and ergonavine that I mentioned before, if a coronary angiography is done in a patient with this type of angina and you administer ergonavine or acetylcholine through IV, then you'll see this coronary vasospasm. So like I said before, those are provocative agents and they're medications that we can actually give, right? So if that's administered on a coronary angiography, you're going to see those coronary vasospasms. Going into treatment, you're going to want to do stress testing with myocardial perfusion imaging or coronary angiography. Looking at pharmacotherapy, you're going to want to do some kind of nitrate. And then in addition to that nitrate, like a nitroglycerin, you're going to want to make sure that... Depending on the situation, you might again be looking at an antiplatelet, thrombolytic, beta blocker. Those are all things to keep in mind, not necessarily for long-term treatment. The, the main two medications we're looking at for long-term prophylaxis would be a calcium channel blocker and long-acting nitrates so that calcium channel blocker might be like amlodipine which is norvasc and then a long acting nitrate this might be like isosorbid mononitrate having a nitroglycerin on board uh, would be important at least just to kind of keep in the back pocket if this pain develops just because a patient has this type of angina doesn't mean that they couldn't move into an unstable angina that's not due to these coronary vasospasms so having some kind of more quick acting nitrate like a nitroglycerin would be important but if you're asked a question about long-term prophylaxis, calcium channel blockers, CCBs like amlodipine, and long acting nitrates like isosorbid and mononitrate would be would be the two medications to keep in mind. Hopefully that helps. This was the first installment or the first episode of going through cardiovascular topic in the family medicine blueprints. Uh, Next, I'm gonna go on to a little bit of arrhythmias. I haven't decided exactly how I wanna go through that because most of it, in my opinion, is really visual. Um, But yes, eventually we're gonna move into chest pain, congestive heart failure, and quite a bit more. So hopefully this helps and see you next time.